This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries that we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Caleb F., Israel, Susanna, Levi, and an unsigned chronicler. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Caleb F., who asks, What is the significance of the Advent candles? Well, Caleb, the tradition of the Advent wreath is designed to remind us of different themes each week during the time leading up to the celebration of Christmas. The first candle reminds us of the prophecies that foretold the coming of the Messiah. The second candle reminds us of Bethlehem, the city of Jesus' birth. The third candle reminds us of the shepherds who glorified God at the coming of Jesus. And the fourth candle reminds us of the angels who celebrated in the heavens at the birth of Christ. And, of course, the final candle marks the birth of Christ himself. And now Israel asks, Is it murder to kill people in war? Several weeks ago, Israel, in episode 113, as a matter of fact, I answered the question, why isn't all killing murder? If you want to go in-depth on this topic, it's a good idea to go back and listen to that episode. Now, Israel's question is about one aspect of that discussion, whether a soldier who kills someone in wartime is guilty of murder. The answer, of course, is that it depends. Murder is unjust killing, taking a life when you're not authorized to do so. According to the Bible, the state does have the right, delegated by God, to take life as a judicial penalty. Executing a criminal after a just judicial process is not, therefore, murder. A life is taken, but not unjustly. In theory, this is true for soldiers in warfare, too. It isn't murder for one soldier to kill another. However, not all killing in war is lawful. So if that soldier takes a life unjustly, he would be guilty of murder. This is why, even in war, soldiers who intentionally kill civilians are put on trial for murder. In fact, one of my favorite movies, which I think I've mentioned before, is the 1980 Australian movie Breaker Morant, which is about a group of soldiers who are put on trial for killing civilians. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Susanna. Let's give Susanna a round of applause. Here's Susanna's question. Is honest rebellion a sin? Well, this question needs a little bit of explanation, especially if you missed my sermon two weeks ago about the parable of the two sons in Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32. In that parable, Jesus compares two sons. The father tells each of them to go and work in the vineyard, but their answers are the opposite. The first son says no, then later goes and works in the vineyard. While the second son says yes, but then he doesn't actually go. 
In the sermon, I called the first son an honest rebel and labeled the second son a willful hypocrite. I even said that Jesus seems to prefer an honest rebel to a willful hypocrite because even though the rebel rebels, he eventually repents and does the right thing. But Susanna, your question makes me think that my label for the first son might be misleading. I called him an honest rebel, and since honesty is a virtue, that makes it sound like his rebellion was good. So it makes sense that you would want to know whether honest rebellion is a sin, because I kind of left that question up in the air. There are actually two factors working against me here now that I think about it. Not only is honest a good thing, but these days a lot of people think of being a rebel as a good thing too. American culture, at least for the last 50 years or so, has idolized the rebel. In our movies and stories, the heroes are often the rebels, the people who don't just do what they're told, but resist authority and chart their own path. So calling someone an honest rebel sounds like it might be a compliment, but actually it's not, and I should have made that clearer. When Jesus compares the two sons, he's not saying that the first son did the right thing and the second son did the wrong thing. It's not like he's saying, good for you. You said no to your father, but then you did his will anyway, and that's what I like to see. The right response to the father's instruction would have been to say yes and then to do it. So both sons fail. It's just that one fails to say the right thing while the other fails to do the right thing. Ultimately, while both options are sinful, it is worse to do the wrong thing than it is to say the wrong thing and do the right thing. To put it another way, the rebellion against the Father's command is sinful, but Jesus doesn't praise the Son for his rebellion. He praises the repentance afterward. That's good news for all of us, because all of us are sinners. Like those sons, we have disobeyed the word of God our Father. We're all rebels. In fact, rebellion against God is one of the ways the Bible summarizes sin. But if, like the first son, we repent of our rebellion and go into his vineyard to work, then we are forgiven and we start doing the will of God who treats us just like the prodigal son's father treated him when he turned from his rebellion and went home to throw himself at the father's feet. The danger is if you don't repent, but only say the right thing without actually doing it. In other words, you can't just say you believe in God, love Jesus, and are trusting in him. You actually have to follow him. Otherwise, what you're practicing isn't faith. It's hypocrisy. Instead of calling the first son an honest rebel, I should have called him a straightforward rebel. My point was that his rebellion and his repentance is out in the open. What you see is what you get. When his heart is in the wrong place, he says the wrong thing. But when his heart changes and is in the right place, he does the right thing. The hypocrite's words are out of accord with his heart, so they're deceptive in a way that the rebel's words aren't. He's lying about his obedience, lying to the Father, and honestly, probably lying to himself, too. And until we're honest with ourselves about our own sin and need for repentance, we blind ourselves to God's grace. I think that's why Jesus is so hard on the hypocrites, so that we will not be like them and won't be deceived by their words. Instead of judging based on what people say, 
You have to look at what they actually do. You say you have faith, but do you live by faith? That's a question we all need to ask ourselves. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. Our first question comes from Levi, who asks, Will you answer questions from no-name people who do the Chronicle? That's a great question, Levi. Sometimes people ask questions, but don't sign their name. And in the past, I've answered those questions. Usually I refer to that person as an unsigned chronicler because they wrote their question in the Youth Chronicle but forgot to sign it. However, my priority is on questions that have names, because I want you to know that your questions are being answered. So if you want an answer to your question, it's a good idea to put your name on it. Occasionally, people make up funny names to try to trick me, but the problem is I cannot be tricked. I see through these attempts 100% of the time because of my keen intelligence. But from time to time, I do answer questions that come in without a name. For example, our next question comes from an unsigned chronicler who asks, If you had a cello, would you play it in church? Well, in an ideal world, yes. But in the real world, no. Let me explain. As I've mentioned before, I've always wished that I'd learned to play the cello. In an ideal world, I would have. In fact, in an ideal world, I would be a very good cellist. However, in the real world, I never did learn how to play, which means that even if I had a cello, I wouldn't be able to play it. Since you asked if I would play in church if I had a cello, then the answer has to be no, because just having an instrument doesn't mean that you're able to play it. But... If I could play it, then yes, I would. Always assuming, of course, that I could play it well. Because if I could play but not very well, then you'd have a hard time singing along while I was making my joyful noise. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. So never be afraid to ask and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking The Big Questions.